where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We're back with Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This episode, Hot Rocks. Now, John, say something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're back with another episode of Where Nobody Knows Your Name. And what an episode, James. Like you said, it's Hot Rocks. Season 7, episode 17. It aired on March 16th, 1989. It was directed by James Bowes and written by Ken Devine and David Isaacs. There's a relevance there, which we'll go into a bit later because of the original draft that they wanted for the episode. Yeah, and this is definitely an interesting episode. It's got uh, an interesting cameo later on. Really interesting cameo. Probably more than a cameo. Ian Fumiglick from Ian Talks Comedy, he mentioned that the cameos they had on Cheers, or the guest spots they had on Cheers, were much more cultural, much more political than the guest spots you'd see on other shows, you know? And that, it's interesting. I suppose before we get on to that, though, James, should we talk about the cold open? The knuckle-cracking cold open? Yeah, the cold open, which I thought is interesting. We kick off with Norm cracking his knuckles, leaving Woody sort of wincing at the sound, <laughs> not being a fan of it. Cliff chips in with a bit of facts, saying what you're really doing when you crack your knuckles is breaking the sound barrier. It's lots of tiny finger-sized sonic booms. Well, Cliff is a liar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fraser chips in with some facts. It's it's facts. It's uh, it's just gas bubbles imploding in the synovial fluid of the metacarpal phalangeal joint. Come on, son. Yeah, then then they sort of describe it more as a popping sound. Norm does a little pop with the side of his cheek. That. Does you yep. do it for real? I can't do it. <laughs> and that, that, that folds into what happens next because Woody's like quite impressed by that. Yep. He could never do that or he could never whistle with his fingers. I can't whistle with my fingers. No, I can't yeah. either. All these life skills I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> Carla comes over to teach Woody. First, what she has to do is crack her knuckles. And uh, Woody's learned something new because he's adopted Fraser's way of describing cracking knuckles. So no feel fluid. Uh, <laughs> I don't crack my knuckles much. Sometimes I crack my shoulder, which is... Oh. You do your elbow quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, hang on. Yeah, you probably heard that. Yeah, that. <laughs> it's just terrible. <laughs> is that, that's my wrist. Oh, like a cement mixer. People on your commute, this is, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if we hop into the main part of this episode, though, James, we start with Rebecca asking Carla to help her zip up the back of her dress. She's going on a big night out. That's nice. She's got a, a date to a fancy occasion, and uh, she seems pretty excited. With a, a heart doctor. They're a cardiologist. Or, or a love doctor. Okay, Gene Simmons, calm down. <laughs> She sounds like she's looking forward to it, isn't she, John? Yeah, she's looking forward to the evening. It's a night out with sort of high society celebrating the anniversary of launching the Old Ironsides, which is a ship. <laughs> Woody thinks it means she means Ironside TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's where the, the clarification has to come. Yeah, Raymond Burr plays plays Ironside. Yeah. <laughs> It's about a uh, tough San Francisco police inspector who is paralyzed from the waist down in a shooting incident. Whilst Rebecca's getting ready, uh, Norm compliments earrings, but not Rebecca's. Carla's. I tell you, Carla's earrings, I am partial to them, which is which is ironic because I don't like bananas. But in earring form, <laughs> I'm like, they are quite fetching. They're banana earrings, aren't they? John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we got that. Yeah. <laughs> we find out during this conversation that Rebecca's earrings are genuine diamonds. Ooh. She's dressed up big time for this big event, but she's not the only one who's dressed up to the nines. Someone else is and they're, they're just about to walk through the door. It's old Sam. Yeah, Sam's got his tux on. 
I always like when Sam wears a tux because I've said it many times before, Ted Danson suits up well. <laughs> and a little bit of callback to the uh, the cold open. He gets a nice wolf whistle from Woody, who's learned how to whistle with his fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he's dressed up for a very fancy occasion that happens to be the same occasion, James. Well, what a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah. the uh, commemorative gala for the launching of the USS Constitution, which is the Ironsides. They wanted yeah. to fill the audience with big known celebrities, local celebrities. Sam hasn't got a celebrity ticket. He's there as a seat filler for the event. I forgot who it was, but there was someone who was talking about when they were a, a seat filler. I think it may have been on Ken Levine's podcast. They, they ended up, you know being in the ceremony more so than the celebrity who was there because the celebrity kept drinking and kept going to the toilet so it was at the bar and bathroom most of the time. When they find out that they're both going to the event they get a slightly competitive about who's got the better date. Yeah, my date is better than your date. <laughs> Similar to sort of Diane days I'd say when they both yes. had dates that were going on. Yes, yes it is. Very much so. Rebecca's date is a doctor. She says that he's really handsome. Uh, Sam says that his date's beautiful so much so that when they're walking together people stop and look at her rather than him rebecca gets a call that her date has had to cancel predictably so yeah and as a fan of wordplay james i'm sure you liked what followed no it's no bother i don't mind okay bye oh dear sounds like some heart specialist decided to stay home and wash his hair tonight <laughs> he did not he has an emergency bypass yeah I had to bypass you <laughs> truth boy you know it's so pathetic when you're all dolled up and no place to go isn't it <laughs> what i liked following this is that sam's date also cancels mm. apparently because she's sick and rebecca goes yeah sick of you and then her and carla high five <laughs> and no one else cares i like that that sort of back and forth oh sam that reminds me jacqueline called she can't make it tonight you're right sam that is pathetic but I'm sure your date didn't have any lousy excuse like heart surgery. As a matter of fact, she's very sick. Sick of you? Yeah! First and foremost, I thought this was going to take a turn where she was going to get emergency bypass from Rebecca's date. Oh, yeah. That was what I thought was going to happen. And I thought Rebecca and Sam were going to be alone and their two dates would end up together. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. It didn't go that way. It did not. They go to the gala anyway. Sam finds someone at the gala and brings him back to the bar in almost like a, hey guys, look who I found. It's it's old Billy C. <laughs> you know, Sam says to Rebecca, we both don't have a date. We're both dressed up to go to this event. Should we go together? And Rebecca no. says, no, essentially she won't give Sam a chance. Mm. And this is when Sam goes out and he goes to the event stag and he brings back someone who he's acting as if is an old friend. It's not. It's Admiral William J. Crow, an actual guy. You know, <laughs> William J. Crow plays basically himself. The 11th chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under Reagan and Bush. He was also the 29th US ambassador to the UK, a role he had from 94 to 97, and was a board member of Texaco, Merrill Lynch, General Dynamics, and others. The other non-main cast in this episode are just Phil Perlman and Al Rosen as Phil and Al. And uh, if you didn't know who Admiral William J. Crown Jr. was, uh, well, Cliff sure does, and he says a lot of facts about him as well. Uh, you like facts, Admiral? <laughs> Just, He's a bit uh, of a super fan. It's a bit creepy, but I did like Cliff's response. 
Admiral William J. Crowe, Jr. Promoted Admiral 1974, 1983 Commander, U.S. Pacific Command. 1985, appointed 11th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Wife, Shirley. I'm impressed, young man. How come you know so much about me? Simple, sir. I'm an American. <laughs> but yeah, he, he seems quite... Uh, I was going to say endearing to Cliff. I think he's more tolerating Cliff, but he says us men in uniform have to stick together. And Cliff says a story of how... Uh, he went to try and serve, but his asthma kicked in, so he couldn't. So he thought the least he could do was deliver the letters to those who were going to serve. Which I think is nice. It might be a lie, but I think it's nice. <laughs> you know? We said from the start of the episode it was an unusual cameo. And we also alluded to Ken Levine and David Isaacs being relevant in regards to who the original cast was going to be. Mm. It was going to be the Celtics player, Larry Bird. But when mm. Bird was declined or unavailable, they rewrote it for the Admiral, which was a swing, you know. <laughs> it went from basketball player to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. <laughs> Conversations between Cliff and the Admiral work, but it would have made more sense Sam bringing Larry Bird back because they're both sports people. But apparently the Admiral was a fan of Sam's baseball career, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what we find out. We find out that the Admiral has come to get assigned baseball from Sam, but in return he asks Rebecca to go out with Sam. Which she <laughs> she gives a savage response is, is that she'd rather do something more enjoyable, like a commando mission in Libya. Ooh. Yeah, she's... She, uh, <laughs> and it, it highlights her, uh, I guess you say, repulse of Sam. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, he tried, though. The Admiral tried, didn't he? Yeah, and that's kind of what he says, and, and Sam goes, ah, thanks, thanks for trying. Don't worry about Busy it. Busy baseball. And the Admiral seems to stick around. He has a good time at Cheers. Rebecca says it's an honour for him to be there, and he says it's an honour to be here. It is. I find it interesting how the different people within the bar interacted with the Admiral. Cliff was very respectful, I thought, mm. if, if a bit creepy, but very respectful, you know. Sam treated him like a friend that he's known for decades, but <laughs> she hasn't. Carla doesn't seem to care. <laughs> she, she's like, I, I know who you are don't care you know just she calls him ad not sir not admiral not even you know william or mr crow just ad cliff does sort of revert into sort of a childhood wonderment because he's trying yes. to like say his ideas for new submarine concepts and he's a bit giddy about it all hasn't he i, I gotta tell you his idea for a submarine garners laughs but it's not ridiculous, and I know it's not ridiculous. It's not just being me defending Cliff, because his idea for a submarine was wheels. Let's put wheels mm. on the bottom. That actually exists. Yeah, I thought I didn't. I thought it did exist. It's it's so they can go along the floor of the ocean without mm. having to constantly adjust depth. They've got kind of wheels on, for lack of a better phrase, wheels on stilts which have suspension. I thought so they could drive on land as well. I mean, you think it could, but a tank would do that. Yeah, but a tank can't go underwater. Yes. <laughs> just drive straight into the sea. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, like James Bond's car. Just like James Bond. <laughs> yeah, no, basically, that idea is not as ridiculous as the other people, including the audience, think it is. They're just like, oh, Cliff, with your with your wheeled submarines, what would you think of next? And, you know, we're going, yeah, it's, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> But then the uh, the Admiral does go. When he leaves, the bar sort of goes back to normal. Woody asks Carla to teach him how to make raspberry sounds with his armpit. <laughs> Rebecca goes back into her office. And what's happened, James? Her earrings have gone missing. They've been stolen, James. They've gone AWOL, to use a military term. <laughs> She's panicking about it. The rest of the bar is saying, oh, wait, where did you put them? What happened? And it gets highlighted that the only person who went into her office was the Admiral. Should have got me on the case, John. I'm good at finding earrings. 
I once found earrings in a in a nightclub, which my friend had lost. Were they on the floor? And they were on the floor, but in a nightclub, it's difficult to see, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you know, a shiny. <laughs> Shine a torch. <laughs> that, that's what I thought. Well, no, I didn't turn my phone on because I was trying to be subtle. I just looked, as you say, for the shiny. When you say was... earrings, do you just find one earring? No, I found both. Both? That's actually, that's impressive then. Yeah, I, th- I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> so it should have got me on the case. I would have would have nailed it. <laughs> Everyone sort of in a, a bit of disbelief that the Admiral would have took them. Cliff says it's treason just to suggest such a thing. And they go, calm down, Cliff. <laughs> just... But Rebecca becomes more and more certain that it, it probably was him. He was the only one who had the opportunity. She doesn't know why he would. He's the one who has uh... the opportunity and the motive. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam says, calm her down, sort of, don't worry, you can get new earrings. And then we find out the price tag of these earrings. Yep. Yep, yep. They were on loan and she had to um, give her credit cards, the pink slips to her Merc and her parents' phone number. As a holding insurance. I don't know the relevance of a phone number. The phone number has no monetary value. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow, she's in trouble. <laughs> that's that's the gist. She's in thousands of pounds worth of trouble. She tells Sam that she is desperate enough and she'll do anything to find those earrings. And uh, Sam goes, really? Anything? And she goes, yes, yeah, Sam, I'm exactly that desperate. It's uh, something that we've seen happen a few times now. Rebecca needs something to happen. Sam only agrees... On the sort of premise that she'll she'll go to bed with him. It's what's the word we always use? Sleaze. Sleazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's very sleazy. But it's happened a few times through the last couple of seasons, I'd say. It has, yeah. Uh, particularly with Rebecca, I think Diane was eloquent and educated enough that she came up with insults that Sam didn't understand and <laughs> just confused him. Whereas Rebecca puts him in his place quite easily and just keeps telling him no. Which they kind of address later in the episode where they both of them mm. question why um, he's so persistent. But this uh, initial motivation makes Sam uh, a little bit of a sort of like a Poirot-esque kind of figure. Because he wants to recreate the scene and and get to the bottom of the mystery. Quick little fact about Jewelry Boutique, where she got them. Shreve Crumpenlow, established in 1796, it was opened across the street from Paul Revere. It has moved around many times, but at the time of filming, it was across the street from the Boston Commons. And in 1905, they created an elaborate silver cup to honour Cy Young. When Cy Young, who has been mentioned in the previous episode, when he died in 1955, this cup became the Cy Young Award, which is still used to this day. Oh, yeah. that was an interesting fact, James. It is, yeah. Snack on those it. facts. We, we, we never say that enough anymore. Oh, I, I think with that fact, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm full now. I can't handle any more. <laughs> oh, what's that? A sweet fact, you say? Oh, I could handle a sweet fact. We all have separate stomachs for desserts, don't we? <laughs> Se- separate it's, it's, fact stomachs. <laughs> it's interesting that fact included a uh, cup, James, because that's exactly the result of this mystery, because Sam gets the gang to reenact what the Admiral did there. Cliff plays the role of Admiral, of course. He tries uh, to. And we find, down, uh, <laughs> we find out that the Admiral brought a glass of water in and he left with another glass. And that glass contained the earrings. Which I imagine you put them in a the glass just so you don't leave them on a surface and, and therefore hide them under paper or something. Put them in the box. Why, why do you <laughs> put them in a the glass? <laughs> yeah. Why do you put them, especially in a bar? I agree, I think. Like, even like an, a marked envelope. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. <laughs> but Sam finds them and he comes into the office uh, and this is where his sleaze comes out again. Sam, your sleaze is showing. 
goes, I found your earrings and you promised. Rightfully, she goes, Sam, just calm down, yeah? I don't know why you're so obsessed with this. I've said no. I've not made any promise. I can change my mind. Just back off, yeah? A promise is a promise. Come on, no, I hate that. I hate it when you do that. Come on, what? What's wrong with you? Why, why don't you want me? What's the problem? You know, Sam, I really, I just don't know why I don't want you. Well, think, damn it. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things that when you, when you first meet a guy, you put him in one of three categories. Yes, no, or maybe. And the second I saw you, I threw you right in that no category, and that's where you stayed ever since. I mean, when Sam Malone walks into a room, I say no and go on with my life. <laughs> Every single time? No, there was this one time when you were way down at the end of the hall, and I could just see this tiny little piece of your elbow, and, and I didn't know for sure if it was you. <laughs> and I thought to myself, hmm. And then you came around the corner, and I thought, God, no. She also asks her, Sam, well, why does he keep hitting on her when she gives him no sort of motive or sign? Or, you know, any encouragement, you know? I would say through the episodes, there's definitely been some inkling. I'm, I don't think there's been any but, romantic inkling. I think there's been a friendliness and a camaraderie, but I don't think there's been any... I wouldn't say there's been a spark between them. Yeah. But I, I think there's definitely <laughs> been some episodes, like the, uh, the the boat one with Evan Drake. I think there were some sparks in there. But also, she went and told the boss that they were engaged together. This is true. And then Sam went on holiday, and then she begged him to come back. This is true. So if there's not necessarily a spark... There is a pragmatism. But anyhow. The plot thickens. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, for, for the purpose of this episode, she says, I've never given any signs or anything. And Sam, much like she said, she puts people into categories. He begins by saying, I put people into three categories. And he says, who am I kidding? I, I put everyone in one category. Uh, women, just <laughs> it's, it's women. <laughs> he puts all women in one category and then kind of has a realization that he shouldn't do that. He says it's not fair on her. And then uh, they meet a middle ground of honesty, I guess. Yeah, well, it's Don Juanism, isn't it? Which has been explored a few times. The middle ground they reach is that they go, we consider each other attractive, but they acknowledge that, uh, at least Sam acknowledges that it's not reciprocated. But for some reason, Rebecca agrees to kiss him. I don't know why, but <laughs> she goes, fine, which is not a good way to start. And, you know, she goes, she wants to just give a little, little kiss. And then Sam grabs her and gives her a big kiss, which I was like, whoa, bit aggressive there, Sam. She doesn't seem against it. Now, what category am I in? Yes? No? Oh, you know, why do I even bother with you? Maybe. I heard that. You said maybe. You said maybe. Rebecca thinks I'm a maybe! I did not say that. I said that you kissed like my Uncle Aby. No, no, no. I said that I think you gave me rabies. And I think this is the, the point where it sort of sparks that will they, won't they? It's a turning point, isn't it? And yeah. I think by the end of this season, we would have seen development therein, is, is my prediction. Mm. You've heard it here first. To, to be fair, James, I think they might have heard it on the 16th of March in 1989, but <laughs> you can say you've heard it here first. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's trivia. Uh, you brought a friend there, Cliff. It's Admiral William J. Crow. No, 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 William, we don't have your earrings. Oh, see, he got earrings as well. I'm not going to question it, John. He's an admiral. <laughs> you know, it could be treason. 
But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. This will fold into my first question, James, because you mentioned how each of the members of Cheers uh, react to the Admiral. How does Fraser react when he meets the Admiral? He implies he thinks that he's making it up. Yeah, he says, uh, here's my number. I've treated Napoleon, Teddy Roosevelt, and I'm sure I could help you. He assumes he's a bit of a quack. In mainstream media, this is sort of known as the Napoleon delusion, James. Where someone gives themselves a sense of grandeur and title. Yeah, but also believes they're either fictitious or other person. In real life, this is grandiose delusion, which is believing you're important and, and adding stature to yourself. I've uh, got a question here. Sam claims his date is known on two continents. Which two does Sam claim? Uh, he says America and Brazil. Yep. Which are not particularly continents. I suppose um, North America and South America it's, are different well, continents. It's, 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 a, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's a trick question. Brazil is not a continent, but America is two. <laughs> so he's wrong and he's right. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, it's a paradox, John. Uh, James, in, in the letters this week, we've also got a receipt. How much were those earrings? $478. Oh. No, okay. $23,000. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she needs to find them quick. <laughs> that makes more sense. My next question. Who does Woody mistake the Admiral for? Oh, uh, the doorman at... Somewhere. At the Ritz-Carlton. When's Woody going to the Ritz? Well, I don't think he got far. I think he went in, saw the doorman, and uh, they told him to, you know... The Admiral's kind enough to play along with this as well. uh, It was an odd cameo, I'll admit. If they had a cameo of a politician in the UK or, you know, a head of uh, the military, I wouldn't recognise them. I don't know whether the audience in America did, but I I would find it interesting if that was a difference. That, you mm-hmm. know, these heads of of military or, you know, or politicians which aren't, you know, heads of the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. I would find it interesting if they were recognized en masse because here we don't, you know, we, we recognize the heads of our political parties. But other than that, the other politicians aren't really uh, well known, aren't really that household names. There's a few And when they've done something controversial, they become household names. But you really wouldn't want a controversial politician on your sitcom, would you? No, I've been trying to think of uh, examples where I could think of it, but I I can't think of many, really. Interesting difference. Again, it might just be a a temporal difference. It might be that back then they were more uh, commonplace, more household names. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I certainly found that an interesting difference between here in the UK now and in the US then. How, uh, how well-known these figures were. Oh, is that last call? Yeah, that's last call, James. And I tell you what, I've Googled an, an option for this, uh, how special if you'd like to hear it. Throw it over. Get your salutes at the ready, James, because it's the Admiral. Oh, It's uh, nice. a whiskey-based cocktail, ice cubes, half-part bourbon, one-part dry vermouth, one-part lemon juice, and a lemon. That would be a, quite a bitter and dry one, I'd think. Much like the Admiral himself, he's, he's dry, isn't he? And I'll tell you what, if you want to try that out at home, sign up to our Patreon, and I'm sure that'll be included in our newsletter this month. Maybe the Admiral will be the guest of honour in the newsletter this month as well. Yeah, we've also got news, which we keep you updated with in regards to Cheers and related shows thereof, such as Night Court. General updates and behind-the-scenes 
tidbits of uh, upcoming bonus episodes, which is exciting. We'll have some coming near the end of this season. Well, we've got a few lined up. Yes, if you want all that additional content, you can head over to our Patreon and support us over there. But until then, James, uh, we'll mix up these admirals. And uh, what should we toast this episode? This is a good question. I think opportunity. I think there's an opportunity with Sam and Rebecca here. And, uh, you know, I think think maybe that's what our answer is. We're going to toast the maybe. Yeah. To, to maybes then, James. To, to maybes. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.